we were worshiping, um, you know, the implications of today and next Sunday and all that was going on just a couple thousand years ago and how they were making their journey, Mary and Joseph were, and everything that was about to happen. And I think about the, uh, the anticipation that surrounds Christmas and uh, the excitement about, you know, the, you know, what's going to happen and the excitement about that day when it's finally revealed, you know, what Santa brought and the excitement over that. And so I think about uh, God the Father and think about His anticipation and the excitement of knowing that just in a few short days, He would reveal Himself to mankind through uh, his son, Jesus Christ. And so we can relate to this time of, of the year and how the Lord, uh, has God the Father, anticipated uh, this time. So it's a special time. Don't forget, sun, uh, Saturday, rather, uh, Christmas Eve service here, 530. Of course, we'll have Wednesday service here at the church this week as normal. Uh, so we'll continue tonight with our journey with Paul. So we've been, we've been talking with Paul now for eight weeks. This is the eighth week. Uh, of Paul, I think the bulletin says part eight, and so we've learned a lot about Paul. I remember, um, I think I actually preached the first two messages on Paul and how he began his journey and how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, and then uh, as uh, different messages have come through, then last week, uh, Pastor Rod uh, spoke on uh, heavenly-minded and earthly good and how Paul was always looking forward uh, to the future and what God had in store for him, but he was still presently involved in his faith, and God was presently involved in his life. And so tonight, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a different turn, and uh, so I've, I've wrestled this week with what we'll be talking about. You know, as a, as a preacher, you, uh, you, you enjoy, you look forward to, you're excited about the high points, uh, so to speak, you know, the, the happy, the encouraging uh, the helpful, the, uh, you know, the wonderful parts that, you know, people get all excited about. And then uh, you deal with uh, parts of Scripture like tonight that we'll look at that you, you see those and you, you don't hear this often talked about a lot. And so tonight we'll actually be in Acts 15 and, and we're, we'll look at uh, Paul's disagreement. Paul had a disagreement. Some uh, commentators have, uh, have uh, penned the title, The Day That Two Missionaries Duked It Out. And uh, so we're, we'll see tonight uh, where Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. Now, if you think about in your life, um, now we, we never have disagreements, but other people often have disagreements. And uh, they, they deal with them in many different ways. A lot of people are good um, at just running from conflict. And so they, they have a disagreement with someone, they sever ties, and, you know, they just continue on, and they never deal with issues. And so tonight, hopefully, there'll be some instruction for us about how Paul dealt with the situation in his life that uh, certainly was most likely uncomfortable, uh, but he dealt with it. And so we'll get some instruction from that and see uh, how Paul dealt with that. But in our own lives, I think uh, as we uh, reflect upon who we are and, and the, uh, the activities that we involved ourselves in, a lot of times we're not really good at dealing with conflict, uh, especially conflict resolution. Now, we may have a stance, we may have a position. We'll see a couple positions tonight in the Scripture 
both uh, Paul and the opposite side, Barnabas, took. Uh, and so, you know, it's not that difficult for us to establish a theological position or uh, uh, an opinion. We all have opinion. You know, it's been said everyone, uh, opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. And so we all, we all have an opinion. So, you know, we'll hopefully tonight as we look at this, learn some instruction about how to deal with it in a godly manner and uh, in a biblical way. But let's first ask the Lord to bless our time together here tonight. God, we bow before you, uh, Lord, tonight. God, thank you uh, for the opportunity as we continue to uh, mine the Scriptures, to mine your Word. Uh, God, for the things that you'd have for us to know, the, the ways that you would have for us to be instructed, uh, and Lord, in the ways in which you'd have us to live. Uh, God, without the Bible, we, we would know nothing about you. God, we would, we would know uh, nothing about life and, and how to respond to life. And so, Lord God, tonight we thank you for your Word. God, we thank you that you've preserved your Word. And uh, Lord, I pray tonight as we open your Word that, God, your Word would speak. Your, your Word says that the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. And so tonight, God, I pray that you'll take this Word and, and God, you'll do surgery on our heart. And uh, God, you'll pierce to the very depth of who we are. And uh, God, you'll change us. Lord, may we leave uh, understanding more about you. Uh, God, may we leave having experienced uh, God, time with you tonight in your word. And so, Lord, we get, do it all for your glory here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'll give you a little background in, uh, in, as we've preached through the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 12, uh, we all know uh, Peter, the story of Peter and how Peter was in prison and the angel came and uh, the angel uh, bailed him out, so to speak. And so, Peter ran uh, to a house. If you remember in the latter part uh, or the middle of Acts 12, uh, when Peter came to himself, this is verse 11, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. And so in verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where other people were gathered and they were praying for him. And so, we see this introduction into the story uh, as we're trekking on to chapter 15, that Peter's in prison. He goes to, to Mary's house, whose son's name was Mark or John Mark. And so John Mark and Peter, they were, they were friends. They knew each other, obviously. And so uh, John Mark looked up to Peter. You know, there was a, an amazing experience that Peter had with the Lord. And so as they were praying together, they uh, obviously it's you know, believed that they had some uh, time together that they uh, rubbed elbows, if you will. And so we were introduced to John Mark here in uh, Acts chapter 12. Well, then uh, we move into the first missionary journey. So in uh, chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul are, are sent off, or Barnabas and Paul are sent off. And so they're sent off on the first missionary journey. And so they go to Cyprus, and they go to Antioch, and and we see that in uh, this first missionary journey, which took place around 46 to 48 A.D., that there's Barnabas. Uh, now, now, let's try to keep the names, if you can remember all this tonight, try to keep the names together because this will make sense at the end. But we have Barnabas and we have Paul. Now, Barnabas had a cousin, and you've already met him. His name is John Mark. In uh, Colossians 4.10, Paul refers to Barnabas as uh, as uh, rather John Mark as Barnabas's cousin. And so in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, 
The Bible states that Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, and they came to Perga and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. So John Mark, who started out on the first missionary journey with them, just shortly thereafter jumps ship, and he bails. And then uh, again in verse 13, the Bible says that he left them, and he returned to Jerusalem. Now, Paul and Barnabas completed this missionary journey. So we don't, we don't learn anything else about this, uh, this departure from the journey. Uh, we don't learn anything else about what happened or how it happened or why it happened. We just know that John Mark was there. Uh, he left. He, he jumped ship. And he went back home. And so Paul and Barnabas completed the first missionary journey. So the Bible says that they completed their uh, service to the Lord, uh, that they came back to Antioch. So in Acts chapter 15 then, uh, as we jump into Acts 15, your Bible probably says the Jerusalem council. So what happened is there were some people that were going around and they were preaching that the only way that you could be saved is if you uh, followed the Jewish ritual of circumcision. So you had to follow this ritual in order for you to be, uh, to be a true follower of Jesus. And so in verse 24 of chapter 15, uh, Paul uh, and Barnabas heard about this that they were talking about. And so they were sent by the church, uh, the churches that were affected, to go to, Jer- to Jerusalem and say, okay, what's really going on here? So who's in Jerusalem? Well, Peter's in Jerusalem. James is in Jerusalem, the half-brother of Jesus. He wrote the book of James. He's the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And John is there. So Peter, James, and John are in uh, Jerusalem. And so uh, Paul and Barnabas go to find out, hey, uh, what's going on? So they get together. They have what's called the Jerusalem Council. And they decide, listen, circumcision is not necessary for salvation. And so they gave Judas and Silas instructions to carry the letter to the churches in Antioch that, okay, here, you guys are good. You're Gentiles. You don't have to follow the Jewish laws in order to be saved. Uh, Jesus came so that you may have salvation, not of works, but through grace. And so they head off on their journey back to Antioch. So Paul and Barnabas go back to Antioch. And they, the Bible says that they continue to preach there for some time. I just believe that they were there for uh, a, a, quite a bit of time. So after this, we see uh, in chapter 15, it says, uh, verse 30, So they, uh, they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, gathered a congregation together, and read the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Verse 35, Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the Word of God, uh, the Word of the Lord, with many others also. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the Word of the Lord and see how they are. So here's Paul and Barnabas. They're in Antioch. They're preaching the Word of God. Well, at some point in between this, we learn from Galatians chapter 2, which will come up on the screen, Peter came to Antioch. So now, let's back up and review. Peter was in Acts 12. He was in prison. He got out of prison. He went to Mary's house. That's John Mark's mom. So uh, at that point, John Mark is encouraged to go on the journey with Paul and Barnabas. So he goes on the first missionary journey. Right at the very beginning, he, he leaves the missionary journey. He goes back. Paul and Barnabas complete the mission. 
They go to Jerusalem for the Jerusalem Council. Peter and James are there. So they're talking about what it, the qualifications for salvation are. And so then they go back to Antioch and report all that's been done. So Peter leaves Jerusalem and he goes up. So Jerusalem's down here. Peter leaves Jerusalem. He goes up to Antioch. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2, it says, When Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Now this is Paul writing. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came, James, came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. So Peter came to Antioch, and he's, he's all good with eating with the Gentiles. The Gentiles don't have uh, any new imposed restrictions or requirements for them to be saved. And so Peter shows up, and, and he's good with that. And so he's hanging out with the Gentiles. But when James's crew came down... The Bible says that he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So when, when the Jews were not there, Peter was friends with the Gentiles. When the Jews showed up on the scene in Antioch, all of a sudden Peter had a change of heart. And so the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, or Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So, so Paul called him out. He said, look, you're being a hypocrite, man. You can't say one thing and live a different life. And so he called him out. And so we learned from this that Barnabas apparently followed suit. And so Peter, you know, obviously was a very influential person. We'll, we'll see some of his influence on uh, John Mark uh, a little bit later. Uh, but Paul was very unhappy with this. And so, you know, Paul was the type of person that he'd just lay it straight down. Hey, this is the deal, and this is what's wrong. And so apparently there's this contention then that comes up. Paul addresses it. He confronts Peter. He's discouraged, I would imagine, that now Barnabas, his, his buddy, his missionary uh, journeyman, has all of a sudden uh, been infected by Peter, and uh, so he says something about it. So now here we are in Acts 15, verse 36, and Paul says, hey, Barnabas, I have a great idea. Let's go back to all those churches, and let's encourage them. Let's strengthen them. See how they are. And so in verse 37, it says, Now Barnabas wanting, wanted to take with him John called Mark. Now, Barnabas uh, in, in other parts of the Scripture is referred to as the son of encouragement. So Barnabas liked to encourage people. He was also cousins with John Mark. And so I would imagine that he probably has some uh, familial ties there. You know, he wanted to see the very best in John Mark. Maybe, you know, maybe his uh, uh, Aunt Mary said, hey, look, you need, to, you need to help John Mark along. He needs some help out here. But Paul, he's, he's not so much for that. So it says in verse 38, <coughs> Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Paul says, time out. Have you forgotten what John Mark did to us? Have you forgotten? Now, remember, we were on this journey, and we were spreading the gospel. We were completing the mission that God called us to, to do, and John Mark bailed on us. 
Now, we know from the missionary journeys of Paul that he wasn't on this uh, evangelism circuit where he showed up and they put him up in a hotel <coughs> and, you know, they lavished him as he, you know, went around. A lot of times I remember growing up, you, you would see these evangelists, they would come in town and, and they would roll in with their, you know, their crew with them. And uh, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And they would have, you know, uh, three or four messages that they had preached 600 times, and they'd be really good at those few messages. And you'd hear that message, and their stories were amazing. And you'd just think, man, if only to be an evangelist, not the life of Paul. Paul was beaten. I mean, we know from all the missionary journeys, he was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He was stoned. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So it was not an easy journey for Paul. And so I can imagine that he wanted people with him that had his back. Now, Barnabas, on the other hand, he's Mr. Encourager. So Barnabas says, no, I, I really think we should do this. Now, let's take a break here and think about, we've, we've been introduced to John Mark. Now, let's, let's look at Barnabas for a second. Now, if you back up to, John, uh, to Acts chapter 9, this is, this is really interesting. If you back up to Acts chapter 9 and verse 27, the Bible says, but Barnabas took him, which is Paul, and he brought him to the apostles. Now, remember, Acts 9 is what? It's the Damascus Road experience, right? This is where Saul became Paul. And so the Bible says that all the other disciples in Acts chapter 9, they wouldn't have anything to do with him. And, I mean, understandably so. They were afraid that it was a trick. And so, uh, but Barnabas, Barnabas didn't do that. Barnabas tried to bring him in. And so it says in, uh, in verse 27, uh, it says, uh, verse 26 rather, when he had come to Jerusalem, which is Saul, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. So what happens? Verse 27, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road Saul had seen the Lord and God spoke to him and how at Damascus he preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas, now remember he's the encourager, he steps up and says, guys, listen, hang on. He really did get saved. Let me tell you about the Damascus Road. Have you heard the story of how he lost his sight for three days? I, listen, he was preaching in the temple. And so all of a sudden, Barnabas steps up and he vouches for this man otherwise known as a Christian killer. And so, you know, so far so good. He vouched for, for Paul in front of the uh, other apostles. Now, this was before Paul had done anything for the gospel. Now, Paul doesn't have a track record yet. Okay, he's not, at this point, he's not arguably uh, one of the greatest Christians known to man. He is just Saul, who was a terrible person, who got saved, and now he wants to live for God. And Barnabas says, come right on in. So Barnabas gave him a chance. So we're in Acts chapter 9. We don't hear anything from uh, Barnabas. We don't hear anything from Paul uh, until chapter 11, where Barnabas is sent to Antioch. By the Jerusalem church. People are getting saved in Antioch. And so Paul, or rather um, Barnabas, is sent to Antioch to say, hey, what's going on? And so there were many people in verse 35. The Bible says that Barnabas went to Tarsus, which is remember where Paul is from, to get Paul and to bring him back to Antioch. Now, there's discrepancy on the time frame. It's probably uh, from Acts chapter 9 to Acts chapter 11 is probably 10 12 years, somewhere in there. And so uh, Paul had his training under Gamaliel. We know that as he grew up. 
uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and then Paul got saved. And then Paul went back to Tarsus. So Paul is in Tarsus in Acts chapter 11. And Barnabas goes and gets him. At, remember, he encouraged him in Jerusalem. He goes to Tarsus. And if you look at the map, that's a long way. He goes and gets him, and he brings him down to Antioch. And in Antioch, the Bible says that they preached for a year. So what does that tell us? Well, as the discipleship pastor, it tells me that Barnabas discipled Paul. Barnabas spent time with Paul. For a year, he reasoned scriptures with him. For a year, they worked on sermons together. For a year, they dug into the Word of God together to understand it. They prayed together. They spent time together. Maybe they had a D group together. And they all, they grew together in the knowledge of the Lord. So Barnabas and Paul, they didn't just run into each other and, you know, were voted on together at some church as staff members. No, these guys have a track record. They've been together. So when we get to Acts chapter 15 and all of a sudden we have this disagreement, this is not two guys who don't have any history. This is two guys that have a lot of history. And they've been through a lot. And they've spent a lot of nights together wondering if they would live. And they've spent a lot of nights together begging God to do something. And they've spent a lot of nights together trying to discern what the will of God was through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. These guys were friends. And so we get to Acts chapter 15. And out of nowhere, there's this sharp disagreement. Now, we can all associate or relate to disagreements. Many people won't be at Christmas family get-togethers this year because in years past there's been a disagreement. Many people avoid each other, maybe even in church, because in the past there has been a disagreement. It's so common in our culture. And we, we don't learn conflict resolution very well. And so Paul and Barnabas are at a crossroad. What do they do? And so I know what, what's happening in your heart. Same thing, you know, happens in my heart as we read this. We, we see Barnabas and we say, I, I mean, we got to give him a chance. John Mark, I mean, if he never gets a shot, he'll never do anything. So we see the Barnabas side. But we also see the, the Paul side where we say, well, now hang on a second. I, can we trust him? He, he, he jumped ship. And, and so, so, so here we have this deep disagreement. And, and Barnabas says, Paul, what about second chances? Now, for you and for me, second chances is the only reason we're here. All right? I mean, if it weren't for second chances, we would have been counted out. And so we can associate with John Mark can associate with Barnabas. I mean, we want the underdog, right? We want the second chance. We want another, we want another shot. But Paul, he, he says, why should we allow someone who has abandoned our mission, the mission of God, to go again? He hasn't proven himself faithful. Maybe in today's vernacular, he'd say, you know, John Mark rarely comes to church. He bails on serving. He shows no sign of change. You see, this is one of the things that I've heard uh, about uh, D groups. I've heard some conversations about, oh, you know, who's going to be in a D group with me? Or, you know, I'll ask the question. 
And, uh, and so there's been some comments, hey, I want my friends to be in the D group with me. And there's nothing wrong with that. You should do that. I mean, you know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should all, you know, be friends and be in a group together. But, but I've heard some comments about, oh, well, you know, there's, there's this one person or two people, you know, that I really want to be in a group with. But, you know, they just, they come to church once a month. And so, and I think, well, what part of faithful does that exhibit? And so you, you don't want these people bailing on you. And that's Paul's point here is I want somebody who's fat on the missionary tra- trail with me. Somebody who's faithful, somebody who's available to do this. I want somebody who's teachable. Because listen, when John, I don't know the conversation. We'll never know this side of heaven. But John Mark, at some point, he came to Paul and Barnabas. Now, Paul, he, he wasn't the run-of-the-mill guy. He wasn't a timid guy. And so imagine the conversation John Mark had when he came to Barnabas and Paul and said, I'm out, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, it probably was a very contentious moment. He probably had responsibilities on the journey. Barnabas had probably vouched for him at the beginning. And he says, John Mark, you can go with us. We're going on this amazing journey, and we're going to tell the world about Jesus. I mean, we read in Thessalonians, they were going to turn the world upside down. That was what they were coined as, being, uh, as, as having done. And so imagine John Mark, when he comes to Paul and says, uh, 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 Guys, uh, listen, uh, I got a problem. I'm, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Maybe, maybe he encountered, you know, the enemy. I don't know what happened. I mean, I could sit here and imagine a lot of things. But John Mark says, I'm done, I'm out. And so Paul says, well, you're not going back. So how do we decide who's right? We look at this situation and, and we say, well, was Barnabas correct? He wanted to encourage him. He wanted to give a second chance. Or was Paul correct? Well, let me ask it this way. Would you loan money to someone who had borrowed money from you before and never paid it back? Probably not. Would you trust a close friend who turned their back on you when you needed them the most? Now, I'm not, I'm not giving the right or wrong answer. I'm just, let's think about 2017 or 2016. Would you loan your car to someone who wrecked it the last time they borrowed it? I mean, probably not. I mean, let's just think of it in today's terms. Yeah, so maybe so. So I want to offer just some thoughts on the situation here and let you decide if it's Paul or Barnabas. So I just want to offer a few thoughts uh, for us tonight. So the first thing is godly grace does not compromise the mission. Godly grace does not compromise the the mission. So the word that's used here and their disagreement, Paul thought it best not to take them. And there arose, verse 39, a sharp disagreement. So the word used here for disagreement is the same word that uh, Luke, who wrote Acts, later uses in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, when Paul is in Athens and it says, his spirit was provoked within him. Same word. So this is a giant problem. This is an issue that Paul and Barnabas felt very strongly about. But remember, godly grace does not compromise the mission. Let's rewind all the way back to the beginning. Garden of Eden. Okay? We know the story, Adam and Eve sin. God 
uh, comes to them. He says, where are you? Adam, Adam says, well, we hid because we're naked. And God said, how did you know you were naked? Did you eat of the tree? And then in verse 13, the Bible says, God said, what have you done? He says, what have you done? So what did God do here? God addressed their sin, but he showed them grace. He could have killed them on the spot, maybe rightfully so. He, you know, looking back, we say, just start over, just, just start over, right? But he didn't do that. He addressed it. He didn't look over it. He didn't compromise the mission of humanity by uh, exhibiting grace. He specifically addressed what they did. And so from the outside in, when we see the story of Paul and Barnabas, it appears that Barnabas is the one showing grace. It appears that way. However, the grace that we see Barnabas exhibit, if you call it grace, never dealt with the issue of John Mark's abandonment that we see in Scripture. So if you, if you fast forward a little bit in verse 40, the Bible says, but Paul chose Silas, so they departed. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So they, were, they departed and were commended to the grace of God the Father. Now, what does it say when uh, John, Mark, and Barnabas departed? It says Barnabas, verse 39, took Mark with him, and they sailed away to Cyprus. But it doesn't say that the church commended them to the grace of the Lord. So Paul was showing grace, might I submit tonight, by not putting John Mark in a vulnerable position again for the enemy to defeat him again. You see, we talked about, we've been talking about spiritual growth a lot with uh, uh, discipleship groups. And uh, we talked about uh, spiritual growth. And one of the things we talked about was a tree producing fruit. But baby trees, saplings, they grow before they produce fruit, Right? And it's the same thing that I believe that uh, Paul is saying here to Barnabas about, about John Mark is he needs to be developed. He needs to grow. He needs to address what happened, understand why it happened. And so I think that Paul may have been offering some protection for John Mark, if you will. Again, just a thought. New believers need protection. They need godly guidance. They need people uh, to to help them along the way, but they need to be protected from those situations in which they're not equipped for. And so by putting his preferences in front of God's preferences, Barnabas missed what God was involved in. Think of what happened on the second missionary journey. Now, this is right prior to the second missionary journey. Paul went to Philippians. Silas went with him. Corinthians to the Corinthians, to the Thessalonians. He went to Ephesus. They were all visited during the second missionary journey. Now, we could spend the rest of the week talking about what God did in those places. You see, God calls every one of us to labor for the kingdom. So God's not giving John Mark a pass by not allowing him to go with Paul. God calls every one of us to labor. He gives all of us work to do. But unfortunately, most Christians just simply stand idle. And they ask uh, for God to do something in their lives while they have yet to complete the first mission that they were given to do. 
In verse 41, the Bible says that uh, Paul and Silas went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You see, Paul was confident in the mission that God had given him, and he was not willing to compromise that mission. So whatever, uh, whatever happened between him and John Mark, it brought enough uh, uncertainty in the mind of Paul that he said, he's just not ready. He's just not ready to go. And so Paul didn't allow grace to supersede the mission of Christ. Now I'm not, don't misunderstand me, I'm not dismissing grace But I'm saying the mission of the gospel, it has to be paramount in our life. And so many times we allow grace to step over and say, we're just going to look past that because we want to to allow them to be involved. Well, No, there's a mission. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. The mission that you and I have and that we are on is to spread the gospel. And at no point should we ever allow the concept of grace to override or to compromise the mission in which God has set before us. God is not going to call you to display grace that hinders your walk with Him. It's not going to happen. So godly grace doesn't compromise the mission. The second thought I want to share with you tonight is that godly encouragement does not ignore sin. Godly encouragement does not ignore sin. I believe Paul is is sharing with with Barnabas here, look, we've got to address this. Where has he been since the end of the first missionary journey? What has he been doing? What, what what, What reconciliation, so to speak, is he involved in? You see, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that, they may, uh, that the rest may stand in fear. Now, we, we're good at private sin, right? We deal with sin privately, or we, we should at least. But we don't deal a lot with public sin. We just don't. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch of yourself, lest you too be tempted. Paul wrote that. So here is, again, I'm just thinking about what happened, and I'll share a thought here in a second about John Mark and what happened, but here's this situation to where something happened to where Paul was uncomfortable with him going on the next journey. And the Bible, he writes in Galatians 6.1, keep watch of yourself lest you too be tempted. And so what Paul is doing is he is putting a wall or a boundary. He is preventing whatever sin was present in John Mark's life from interfering with the mission that God had called him for in his own life. You see, the key to restoration is change. It's to receive whatever instruction it is uh, for the sin, and to change, to be transformed. But what happens, I see this a lot. Oftentimes, we want for other people more than they want for themselves. All the while, they are still living a lifestyle that is opposite God. 
So they're living their own life, and we want to, we, we impose godliness on them, and we want them to, to be Christian, and we want them to live for God, and we want them to be involved in mission trips, or you fill in the blank. And so we superimpose our thoughts on that scenario. We superimpose our ideas, and we want more for them than they want for themselves. And so what we end up doing is mistaking our will for God's will. Look in, in, in chapter 15 and verse 37. This is what the Bible says. Barnabas wanted. Barnabas wanted. It's what Barnabas wanted. But what does it say about Paul? But Paul, verse 38, thought. So Paul didn't, he didn't say, well, my opinion is or my desire is. Paul put some thought into it. But yet Barnabas, he, he simply wanted to do what he thought was right, what he desired to do. And so we see in verse 38 that Paul says, uh, but Paul thought not best to take him, the one who had withdrawn. Now that's an interesting word there, withdrawn. This is speaking of John Mark. So we get a little insight here all of a sudden to why did John Mark leave? See, right now our hearts are wrestling with this, and we're saying, well, I'm not sure if, if, if this is right. It should be Barnabas. Barnabas should be right. Maybe some of you are agreeing with, with Paul, but the word withdrawn is an interesting word. Luke wrote Acts. Luke also wrote Luke. And in Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, in verse 13, this is what Luke writes. This is the purpose of parables. And uh, he's talking about the uh, parable uh, of the sower and the seed. And he says in verse 13, The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe it for a while, and in a time of testing, they withdraw or fall away. And these are Luke's words here. And so... We kind of get an idea now about what happened with John Mark on the journey. So, is, it, is, it, is Luke giving a clue here that John Mark wavered in his faith, that he, that he may have stepped away from the faith, that he may have fallen away from the faith? See, the church agreed with Paul. They knew what had happened. And so they, he was commended, as I mentioned earlier, by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And so on the first missionary journey where John Mark went and Paul and Barnabas were there, what happened? Well, if you go back and look at Pamphylia, there are no records of any converts on that journey. Zero. There are no records of Paul ever going back to that area. He never went back. So... Apparently, Mark was not faithful in the small task, and so Paul was very reluctant to put him back in the same situation without seeing a change. You see, Jesus talked about this. He says in Luke 16, 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. And so, what then do we read about the missionary journey that Barnabas and John Mark took? Remember in verse 39, there arose the disagreement. 
So they separated. Barnabas took Mark with him, and they sailed away to Cyprus. So what do we read about that journey? What do we know about that journey? Nothing. Not a thing. It's not written about. They're never spoken of again. Absolutely nothing. Now, again, let's just think outside the box here for a second. If Paul went on a second journey, Paul went on a third journey, and we read all about that. We've got many letters to the churches of all the work that Paul did and the missionary journeys that Christ accomplished through him. But what do we read about the journey that Barnabas and John Mark took? Nothing. Nothing. Silence. You see, conflict in your life and in my life is often the catalyst for change. Sometimes it hurts, but a lot of times it changes. If we receive uh, constructive criticism is how it's termed sometimes, it's good for us. You see, John Mark was good friends with Peter. So I'm not going to leave John Mark under the bus, okay? He was good friends with Peter. And so what do we learn about John Mark later on? Now remember, what do we learn about the missionary journey? Nothing. Not a word. Silence. But that, God's not done with John Mark. Because John Mark did what? Well, he went on to write the gospel of Mark. This was an account of Peter's experience with Christ. Remember, they're friends. And so John Mark penned the book of Mark. Over a third of the gospel of Mark is devoted to the last week of Jesus' life. One-third of the gospel. He uses the term immediately a lot in the gospel of Mark. Forty times he uses that term immediately. So, it sounds like John Mark has a tendency to make quick decisions. Maybe he made a decision he regretted later on in life. You see, Mark, when you read the Gospel of Mark, he was very specific about emphasizing the humanity of Jesus. And so, he used his weakness to magnify Jesus. You see, I'm not, I'm not tossing John Mark under the bus. And it would be very difficult for us all to conclude that Barnabas was right or Paul was right. But what I am saying to you is that there's a mission that Paul was focused on. And he did not allow anything to get in the way. And anything, any type of sin that came up in that scenario, Paul was very uh, strategic about dealing with that. And although Paul was very encouraging... We read in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, uh, the Bible says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's not preaching perfection. And so, nor am I tonight. I'm not saying that you should never mess up so you can continue on the mission. That is the last thing I'm saying. I'm saying that Paul thought it very important that he deal with whatever falling away John Mark did before he was able to trust him to be involved in the mission in which Paul was called to complete. And so on that second missionary journey, Paul wrote to the Corinthians about his weakness. And so he, in his encouragement, did not ignore the sin. 
And so how do, we, how do we take that? What do we do with that? Conflict in our life. You may have thought as we've had the message tonight about people in your life that maybe you're at odds. You, uh, you didn't give a second chance. Maybe they didn't give you a second chance, whatever the situation may be. So I want, I want us to learn tonight from what Paul and what Barnabas did after their disagreement. Well, the Bible says in verse 39, they separated from each other. And so might I recommend to you tonight that godly character moves on. Godly character moves on. They got over it. Paul was still very useful for the kingdom of God. We don't know what happened on that second missionary journey with Barnabas and John Mark. Maybe nothing. I don't know. We'll find out one day. But we do know that they both moved on. That John Mark didn't say, or or Barnabas didn't say, well, if he doesn't go, I'm not going. No, he didn't say that. So, So they agreed to disagree. So what's the instruction for us tonight? That guess what? Everybody's not going to agree with us. Just like noses, everybody has an opinion. And so it's okay for us to not agree. I remember I was serving at a church, and um, you know they, there was a lot of students that had started coming through the church. And uh, so we had a meeting, and, and they, the kids weren't acting the way that they uh, thought they should act. And so they were, they, they, they were saying, they said, you know, hey, the kids ought to act this way. And I said, you know what? You know, I, I agree that we would prefer that, but... Wouldn't we rather them be here than someone else, somewhere else? And uh, so they said, well, no, you know, if they're going to come here, they got to act this way. And I said, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree because I just don't see it that way. And we did. We just moved on. And so I think what we learned from this tonight is that we, we have to, in conflict, in, in unresolved conflict, we have to agree to disagree. So they, they separated. Barnabas and Mark went southwest. To Cyprus, Paul and uh, Silas went northwest, and they, they, they had just said, okay, we, we have this big disagreement, but we're just going to move past this, because I know the mission, the mission, the gospel mission. So we agree to disagree. Second thing is uh, Paul and, and uh, Barnabas did not do is they did not harbor hard feelings. He let it go. Insert the Frozen song right there. Let it go. Right? They let it go. He didn't, he didn't write nasty things to, to John Mark and talk bad about him when he had opportunity. No, this is what he said. 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul writes, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. He's very useful. So what happened between Acts 15 and then 2 Timothy where Paul writes, hey, John Mark, this guy, he can really help us out here. John Mark grew in his faith. John Mark matured in his walk with Christ. And Paul says, look, 
I'm not going to toss him under the bus. I'm not going to hold it against him. We didn't agree back in, in uh, Antioch. But listen, the guy, he is a Christian. We're all on the same team here. I'm not holding hard feelings. I'm not harboring any ill will against him. Hey, if he's for God, I'm for God. And so he let it ride because of the mission. Because of the mission. So, so maybe there's someone who needs a second chance in your life. We could probably all at some point say that, right? Maybe, uh, maybe there's something that we need to address in a relationship that has been damaged so that we can move past it. You know, we, it's very instructive to have open conversations and say, you know, here's, here's where I was hurt. Or I apologize for how I hurt you. But I want to move past this. So maybe that involves us asking for forgiveness. Maybe that involves us giving, granting forgiveness. Because here's the deal. We, I was thinking about this story and thinking about me and thinking about us as we would talk tonight. And, and I thought about, you know, we all have a bad past, right? We all look back at our lives and we're like, man, I messed that one up. Oh, man, I wish I could do that over. I think John Mark looked back at that first missionary journey and he thought to himself, golly, shouldn't have done that. Man, I wish I hadn't have said that. We've, we've flaked out in the past before, right? We've made mistakes. And so I think about, I love the verse in Ephesians 2. Paul, of course, writes Ephesians. And in Ephesians 2, verse 5, Paul tells all these things about how we were dead in our trespasses, how we, we flaked out on Paul's missionary journey, how we, you know, we failed. We didn't, we didn't do what we were supposed to do. And then Paul's writing all these things. I'm like, man, he's right. You know, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was you know, a slave to the world. And then he says, but God, rich in mercy. I think about me. I think about us. And all the, the second chances that I've needed. And I think about why I got those. Because God is rich in mercy. So how does Jesus respond to our mistakes of the past? It all points back to Jesus. You look at this situation with John Mark and, and Paul and Barnabas and the disagreement that they had and, and, and how did they, you know, Paul says, no, John Mark, he, he messed up. He's not going. So I thought about, well, what about me? When Jesus looked at my sin, when Jesus looks at my sin, I think about Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. And so this is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't compromise the mission. When Jesus, in, in all that we see in the life of Christ, he had one goal. It was to accomplish the mission. And he didn't compromise the mission because of my sin. God didn't compromise the mission of redemption because of the sin of Adam and Eve. And he didn't compromise the mission because of whatever sin, insert your sin there. But what did he do? He completed the mission on our behalf. 
And so he took the failings of John Mark. He took the failings of me. He took the failings of, of us. And he says, you know what? You're not going to be able to complete the mission. But I can do it for you. And so he took all of our missed second, missed third, missed 471 chances. And he took them to the cross and said, hey, I'll do this. I'll complete the mission. He didn't ignore our sin. Make no mistake about that. He didn't ignore our sin. He paid for our sin. It's just like when you get to the store and, and, you know, with kids and you want to buy something and all of a sudden, you know, you've got $40 worth of stuff and then they ring it up and it's $65 and you say, what happened? And you look and there's little hands that have been setting stuff up on the counter, right? And all of a sudden you got $12 worth of bubble gum. That's what happened at the cross is Jesus said, I'm going to take all of Matt's sin and I'm going to pay for it. And then... In this all response, we say, do you know about all the sin that I have? I got a lot of bubble gum in my pocket, Jesus. And he says, no, I can pay for that. I can pay for that. And so he paid for my second and my third and my 700th second chance. And because of that, God looks at you and he looks at me and he sees us as righteous because of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this Christmas season, as you start 2017, maybe you make resolutions, maybe you don't, I want to uh, summarize our time together tonight with just three things. Remember the mission, deal with sin, and move on. Remember the mission, deal with sin, and move on. There are amazing things ahead of us. 2016 was a great year. Imagine what 2017 will be like. Because we have a, a mandate. We're on mission for the king. And so whatever things that may be dragging us down, whatever John Marks have withdrawn in our lives, deal with it and move forward. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's willing and He's able. Remember the mission, deal with sin, and move on. Let's pray tonight.